Thanks for listening to a YPC podcast. We believe God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we'd love to hear about it. Take a second to send your story to office at ypcprior.com and enjoy the message today. Good morning, guys. Welcome to 1130. I'm so excited to be here today. Uh, it's such an honor to be here as well. I uh, never thought this day would come, to be honest with you. Um, ran from it for so long, so uh, it's really, truly an honor. And, and I want to give that to Pastor Dan and Tyra today. Uh, everything that they've given out to us and to my family and to me personally, yeah, I'm going to be selfish a little bit because it's helped change my life and make me who I am today. And really, quite frankly, if it wasn't for them, none of us would be sitting in here today as well. And so, yes, I love you guys. Hope you're enjoying your time off. And thank you for this time for the stage. Guys, let's go ahead and, get pray. Let's go ahead and pray and, and get into the word, okay? God, we thank you and we love you, Jesus. We thank you for all you've done for us and where you're taking us and where you're trying to grow us and refine us, Jesus. Lord, help me not to snot bubble cry and get through this today. Amen. Amen. <laughs> yes, it is not. I am emotional. I am. But actually, the first service, I did pretty well. So I was pretty proud of myself. But, uh, but where I'm at today and, and, and with the title of my message, I kind of want to give a little background story of it. And it takes place about three years ago and with, with my father. Um, he had a bout of some sickness and some things that came over him. And his kidneys shut down and, and um, was actually kind of given about two to three weeks to live at this point. And so during these two or three weeks, I got to spend a whole lot of time with him. And, and it was already close to him. But at that point, I got to share, hey, Dad, I was, I was healed of my bitterness for 15 and a half years. And I know you were in ministry and I know everything's going on and I know you've seen other people. But, Dad, I finally made it. I made it to the other side. And I said, too, not only that, too, is... You know, I know I had a call in my life since I was 18 in ministry, but as you know, I ran from it. And so I'm going to walk through that today and see where the journey takes us. But you filled some pretty big shoes, so I don't know how I'm going to fill those. I don't know how I'm going to get there. I don't know, like, I don't know if I'll be as good as you were, Dad. And that's when he said, son, you can't compare yourself with others. You can't compare yourself to what you're doing with everything else or with me or with, with Grandpa or with with anybody else in our family that's in ministry, but you've got to fill your own shoes. And so the title of my message today is Fill Your Own Shoes. And so there is a funny story I want to share about it and how I once had one of my shoes filled with something awful that I never thought I'd imagine. And part of that was, um, uh, yeah, right, right. And so about a year ago, I was, uh, or a year after my father passed, we're at a family reunion, having a good time, and and my wife's pregnant at home with her third child, and, and she's got about a month left, and we really thought it's going to be this boy that, you know, we've been so earnestly praying for because I have two beautiful daughters. And so I got two of them in her hand, and, or I got both of them in each of my hand, and we're walking to the bathroom. And as I know they got to go, I'm, I'm, you know, we're at a campgrounds, and as you know, it's, you know, they're nasty. They're disgusting. Um, it's hot in the middle of the summer. Like, who wants to go in a bathroom? Much less, why can't you be two boys and help out and just kind of stand there and help, you know, do our own thing, right? No, you've got to be two females. And so I'm like, all right, how am I going to think this through? The bathroom's gross. I don't want them to sit down on the ring. Like, oh, man. I'm like, okay, I got it, got it. Hey, Kylie, you stand there. And Lily, come here. You put your legs right here. I'm going to hold you just like this, right? And you're going to just, you're going to go potty. I'm not going to drop you. I got you. Just, just, just do your thing, and then we'll switch, and we'll, and we'll get out of here. Please hurry. And then, Kylie, do not touch anything. Those walls are disgusting. So as we're sitting here, and we're getting ready, and we're trying to get through it, I'm like, Lily, come on, baby, come on. I'm shaking her. I'm getting stressed. She's getting stressed. I'm like, Kylie, quit touching boogers on the wall and just stand there. 
Hey, and put your hands in your pockets, please. Daddy, daddy, what, what, baby? I don't have pockets. Oh, my God. Then, then, then just put your hands in your panties, please. Like, just, just don't touch anything. And so, come on, Lily. I'm shaking her. I'm like doing, you know, and then she's kind of doing this kind of thing, too. And it's like, oh, my gosh. Kylie, yes. Okay. You know, no, no, no. Put your hands out of your pants because that's gross. You know, you've been touching boogers. So, finally, Lily starts going. And I didn't know because I thought females, usually it just kind of goes down, right? Well, no, this thing all of a sudden just started creeping up. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And so as it's going all over my arm, I'm like, no, Lily, stop. So then I'm shaking her. I'm trying to, like, trying to jab her in. Then all of a sudden I realize she's been peeing on my shoe the entire time. I'm like, oh, like, oh, you're killing me. You're killing me. And so then I'm thinking, okay, wow, this was such a good day. I'm like, thank you, God, for this wonderful summer day. And then now it's like, oh, oh, this is... Now we've got to walk in pee-filled shoes all day long. But really, though, how many of us today are going through life and we have this good experience, we have this good time of, 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 of life happening, and all of a sudden something happens? And we're like, oh, man. We get so defeated. We get so discouraged. We're going through some of that junk. And, and even, you know, you seasoned veteran Christians, you know, even you too, some of the stuff too that you have that you've been kind of walking through that you thought you walked through, but you locked it away up in the closet, right? you put the key out and you're like, out of sight, out of mind. I think I'm good. I think I'm healed. I'm good. But, but really, no. Maybe today there's something that God needs to change inside your heart. Maybe there's something today that's going to inspire you to want to be a better person, to want to fill your shoes the right way. And so let's get in the word in Proverbs today. Chapter 3, verse 1. It says, my son, never forget the things that I've taught you. If you want a long, satisfying life, closely follow my instructions. Never tire of loyalty and kindness, but hold these virtues tightly. Write them deep within your heart, and if you want favor with both God and man, and a reputation for good judgment and common sense, then trust the Lord completely. I always do that. Let's just get that right. But don't ever trust yourself. But in everything that you do, put God first, and He will direct you and your crown you with He will direct and He will direct you and crown you with your efforts and successes. And I want to say I do always trust myself, or I always trust God, not trust myself. I want to say I always go to him in prayer. And, and I have this little black bracelet that I've had on for probably three or four years. And, you know, it says pray first. So obviously it's a reminder that, hey, you know, having a bad day, going through some stuff. And one day my oldest, Kylie, she's about six years old now, and it was a few, couple of months ago, and she's like, hey, Dad, what's on your wrist? I'm like, well, I mean, it's a bracelet, but, it, you know, it says pray first. She's like, well, what does that mean? Well, you know, like if you're having a hard time or you're going through this or you know, your day's bad and you want to be negative and stuff like that, like, it's just a reminder, like, oh, yeah, maybe I should pray. She's like, well, do you, hang on, first of all, she's like, do you always pray first? <laughs> well, um, babe, uh, you know, I could either lie to her and say, heck, yeah, I do, or no, no, I don't. But no, I said, baby, I don't. I wish I did, but sometimes I just struggle and, and you know, we're, we're human, right? Like, give me, you know, stay in your lane, stay in your lane, right? But she's like, but if you're not going to obey by it, then why do you wear the bracelet? I'm like, baby, I, like, I, it's a reminder. I'm like, hey, you know what? Hey, I got some chocolate. You want some chocolate? I'm like, let's, let's, let's train, get out of this conversation with her, right? But really, though, as we're not trusting ourselves, but we're trusting God, we've got to make sure that it's important as we fill our own shoes that we don't compare yourself to others. It's so easy. It very is. And, and I know I struggled with it for a while. But really the best way I know how to explain this is Jesus as he entered into Jerusalem. And it says here in Luke chapter 19, in the NIV, it says, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. 
And if anyone asks you why you're untying it, say the Lord needs it. But the thing of it is, guys, is God ultimately didn't really need the colt. But when we break down scripture and we take some time to read it and actually kind of see what he's trying to, the message that he's trying to display here, it's, it's not that, you know, it's, it's for him, but he's can, he can always take something that's insignificant of what we think it is and make it significant for his glory. And, and that's his purpose. And that's what he's trying to do with us. He's trying to help us out. He's trying to direct and guide our steps of where we're trying to go today. But two, when we think about this as well is, and for me, whenever I think about kings or of high authority, especially back then, they all rode on a horse and a chariot, you know, gold-plated armor, something signifying who the country is, you know, something that makes them stand out, real flashy, real bougie, real, you know, a prized horse or something. But the thing of it was is that's not how Jesus did. He got that little donkey, a baby, a colt. We've never been trained, never been broke. Really little to worth of no, of no value. He came riding in on no saddle, nothing fancy, literally cloaks, fur. Someone made out of a, of a garment. And really the sole purpose of that donkey is to eat, sleep, and quite frankly, let's, let's, let's face it, poop, right? Like, like it doesn't do a whole lot. But for me, I found myself comparing to others. I found myself comparing to others as I was here at this church, on staff and praying with people and, 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 you know, and, and becoming a figure of this place. And I, and I noticed that I was waiting because I drive a 98 Dodge Dakota back then. Luckily, recently, I got a good vehicle that, you know, it's air conditioned. But this 98 Dodge Dakota was, it's, you know, it's seen its time, right? But I found myself holding back and letting the crowd rush out so that I could get in my truck and leave so that no one saw what I drove. And why? So petty, right? But I allowed my heart to be distorted by it. It wasn't a big deal, but to me, I didn't want them to think, oh, right, handsome rich, right? Well, surely he's in a handsome vehicle. No, no, I'm in this beat-up 98 Dodge Dakota. And no AC, it's hot, and I sweat already, so it's even worse in the summertime. But I couldn't even give the thing away. And I mean, even about a year ago, I was sitting at some of our friends' house to go to church here, and they have a little boy named Skyler. And I pull up to the driveway, and it's about to rain, and, and I get out of the truck, and I'm actually, ro you know, rolling, not, not, you know, the clicker, but I'm rolling the window up. And he comes over, he's like, hey, Mr. Rich, what are you doing? Well, buddy, I'm, I'm kind of rolling the window up. He's like, oh, oh, what is that thing? Well, it's, it's, a, it's a handle, it just kind of spins, and it rolls the window up. He was like, oh, okay. I said, hey, you know what, man? I said, when you're 16, would you like to have this? Like, I'll give it to you, I promise. And he's like, you know, Mr. Rich, um, I, don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. My daddy said I can have his big truck, and it's a four-wheel drive, and, and his, his windows go up like this. I'm like, oh, I can't even give it away, so you know what? Get out of here, kid, all right? Like, like it's cool. It's cool. But, but really, though, what about other things in our life? What about our jobs? our home, um, the way we worship. Hmm? What about sitting here worrying about, you know, sweat rings or, or maybe I look stupid or maybe, you know, I just kind of want to sit here all day. I don't want to get crazy with it because I don't want to look foolish. Or maybe I look desperate. Or what about even when it's time to come down for prayer? It's like, oh, what are people going to think about me? What are they going to say if I come down? I can't, I can't do that. Like, like, I'm good, right? I'm, I'm okay. Like, I'll, I'll make it. But, 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 what if that's the only thing that's holding you back from your breakthrough? Yeah. What, is that? What, what, what if this very thing right here is the thing that you've been praying for for so many years, but you're just coming into the motions, in and out, right? Every Sunday, in and out. So why? Why do it? I get it. It's not easy. And I know that some of us are hurt. 
I know some of us, it doesn't make sense, but you've got to remember, and don't forget that you're a sign that points others to the God who transformed you. Amen. You do. No one else. You worry about you, not others. And really, is when I reflect about Jesus and I you know, hear, hear how he lived his life and, and, I, and I see you know, what, what all he, he did in the Bible, it's like it was never anything about flashy, materialistic things. It showed how, humil- how much humility he had in his life and better yet, how much love he had for others. Because the word of God always pointed back to his heart. And even says here in 1 Samuel as well, is that the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at our heart. And I want my life to reflect that way. I'm not saying I want to be an open book for everybody. As you know, I'm kind of vulnerable, but, but, um, or, or I can be. If you don't know me, you eventually will. But, but, but I want my life to reflect who I really am. Not just as you see face, but as you see me personally and, and even openly in public and everywhere else I go. And I know some of you guys are like, well, you just don't understand, Rich. You just don't, you don't get it. I've been hurt. People have hurt me. I don't want people to see who I really am. And I know, I know you're battered. I know you're confused. I know you're tired. You're angry with life. Quite frankly, a lot of people don't trust anybody. It's understandable, right? But today, today though, I want to bring you some hope that you can find joy in the midst of the struggles. That you can find joy in the midst of the valleys that even though, like Reuben said last week, we go from victory to victory. It may seem like a valley, but we're going to get through it. It's going to happen. And and as this happened, though, we've got to make sure that as we're looking down, we're watching what step, that we're, we're watching what shoe that we're stepping first. Because how you start each day determines your destiny. Because what are you doing? Is it life-giving to yourself? Is it life-giving to others? Or are you stepping with the wrong shoe of negativity, of doubt, worry, fear? Is, is that where you're at? Is that where you're at today? Because you don't have to. Because what you're filling yourselves up with today, is it with music? Is it with friends? The wrong friends? The wrong crowd? You know, TV, it sounds dumb, but I'm sorry, but yeah, it'll get you. For music is, is, is a thing for me. I have to watch what I listen to. Because I will start repeating and start singing those things and not glorifying my God. And I know I'm not filling myself up with the right thing that I need to do. And then I become negative. I become this and I become that. And because Satan wants nothing more than to get your thoughts and behavior to believe that there is no hope. Right? Why try? Why? Why? It'll never get better. Never get better. I'll always struggle with addiction. I'll always struggle with anger, depression, self-body image, a failing marriage, your income, your junky job that you're tired of being at, right? You go in, and you mund- the mundane. The list can go on, but my Bible says, though, in Romans 15, that it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And if he can keep you silent, church, if that devil can keep you silent, he can keep you broken. He can, and he did it for me for the longest. And it wasn't always easy, and I know, I get it. It wasn't, but I had to choose joy at this time. And at this point, with my father, I was healed of my bitterness. As we were sitting one night in a hospital room, and he's recovering, and he's trying to get better, and, and I, I know, like, his life's coming to it. Like, we know, like, like we know it's, it's there. We see it. And I remember, I said, I'm going to step with the right shoe, and it's going to be a joy. And God, you fill this room with joy. 
and you fill this room with hope because I remember he asked me, he like woke me up like 10, 15 times that night. I was like, Casey. And by the way, I used to go by Casey as a kid. I'm rich now just because me and my wife's name were both Casey when we grew up. And so we kind of just parted ways with who we were and, you know, a conversion <laughs> if you want to call it. But, but he kept waking me up in the night, Casey, hey, son, son, Casey. I'm like, yeah, Dad, what do you need? He's like, I got to go to the bathroom. Well, Dad, this is like 10 times in like the last, you know, 30 minutes. Oh, I got to go to the bathroom. I'm like, all right, well, hey, I know, you, I know your recovery. I know your leg's kind of gone now, and, and you know, I, I knew it got amputated and all, whatnot, but, but, you know, why don't I help you out? Like, I know the doctors want you to work out, but, like, just let me pick you up. And I remember when I picked him up, how frail, how empty and light he was, the man that protected me from all the things in my life. And I said, God, I'm choosing joy, and I'm choosing peace tonight. I'm not going to no longer be bound by that bitterness. I know you're trying to creep back in, and devil, you get out. But God, I'm choosing joy today and tonight. But the thing of it was, it, it wasn't that easy. And, and for real, because as I stopped there and I go back seven years prior to that, it was on a Tuesday night. We always have family dinner. And my two sisters and all of our kids would come, and all of our nieces and one nephew. Poor guy, it's, it's just all women. It's, I think there's 10 of us now. And so, uh, you know, he's, he's outnumbered just like we are. But, but, you know, I don't know where we failed as dudes in our lives, but we just, we're not making it. But uh, as we're all coming together and we're, and we're there and, and we're eating dinner, I knew that night was something different. I knew that night mom and dad wasn't acting the same. And so the kids came in to play, and they shut the door to the toy room, and and I knew something for real wasn't right at that point. And then they come over with this somber-looking face, and they hand us these letters. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, maybe he's stepped in a new position at another church. Or maybe he's, you know, because we've been here over 15 years at that point at, at, at that church. And so maybe he's accepted, you know, a bigger and greater things, right, expanding horizons. But as I started reading the letter, it talked about how sick he was and how he's been fallen and and how his kidneys shut down for the second time because the first time was when I was 15 and that's when that bitterness started was because of that. That bitterness and hatred toward God was the start of that time and God healed him. But this time it doesn't look like it's going to. And it starts talking about how he's going to go on dialysis. And then I see where it says 7 to 11 years and I stand up and I said, are you for real mom? Is this, is this real? And they both look and they're like, yeah. And I just remember standing up, I picked up that chair, and I smashed it to pieces, and I started running outside. And where they were at the church, they had lived in a parsonage. And there's about 40 acres out there, and there was a big cross, like there was one out north of town here. And uh, I started taking off running. I was mad, yelling obscenities, hate you, God. What are you doing? Like, what, why are you doing this to us? Like, he's given his life to you? Like, like. The devil kept me silent and he kept me broken. I didn't know the difference of it. And so when I got to that cross, there's this huge rock. And I've been pounded on that rock for many years. And I'm not just saying pound, but I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm punching it. I'm mad, I'm angry, I hate you, I hate you. I look up at that cross and I say, devil, or, or, and I say, Jesus, if I had that spear, I would spear you. I would spear you continually until nothing was left in your chest. All the hurt and all the pain that you've given to me. Yeah, take that. Take it, because I thought you'd love us. I thought you're for us. But again, I was silent. 
I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. I didn't know that he really does love me. I didn't understand that he really is for me. And so I was so bound and broken and, and, and captive. And I know there's a lot of you in here today that are the same thing. I know you're struggling with some things. I get it. Life's not easy. But I want to encourage you today, though, that there is hope. And I want you to believe the word. Just like Reuben said last week, you've got to get the tools. You've got to su supply yourself with this. And understand it. Don't just go through the motions of reading the words. But live out those words and say, God, I'm going to do this. Because in Psalms 3, in, in verse 1, it says in the Passion Translation, it says, Lord, I have so many enemies, so many who are against me. Listen to how they whisper their slander against me, saying, look, he's hopeless. Even God can't save him from this. But in the depths of my heart, I truly know that Yahweh, he is become my shield. And you take me and surround me with yourself. Your glory covers me continually. And you lift my head high when I bow low in shame. Church, lift your head up. Don't. Don't let the enemy keep you down and get you defeated. That's what he's wanting you to do, but trust the word of God. And allow his presence to surrender you or surround you and take hold of you and say, God, you got this. I know you got this. And he even says it here too in this next verse in 1 Peter. It says, after you have suffered a little while, our God who is full of kindness through Christ will give you his eternal glory. He personally will come and pick you up and set you firmly on, in place and make you stronger than ever. Amen. You know, I, I truly thought I wasn't going to make it. I didn't think I was going to make it to the other side. I thought I'd be a drug addict or some alcohol. I knew I would probably push my entire family away. I was angry. I was mad. But the thing what it was is you have to remind yourself, what shoe are you stepping with first? Make a decision on your day. Every day when you wake up, hey, I know I'm angry. I know it's been a rough time. But hey, I'm going to step with the foot of life and not with negativity, not with what the enemy wants me to believe. As I come to my third point. We've got to make sure that we examine our lives. And as we examine, we've got to make sure that we trust the process. Amen. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean it's going to just, just work out like it is. Because I know for me, something that I don't trust, my metabolism. I'm 32. I now have, have noticed that if I eat carbs or if I drink pop or something sugary, I'm going to feel it. And not just burn it off quickly, but it's, it's, it, I'm going to feel it. And my wife recently started working out with this new little gig that she's been doing. So it's like, hey, I'm not going to let you outdo me. No, no, not at all. And I know I kind of got, you know, I started this new job last year. And so I kind of knew I jumped off the tracks. And so I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to start this new thing, you know, Focus T25 uh, with Sean T, you know, the insanity guy. I've done it before. So I'm like, hey, I can do this again, right, right? And so there's three levels. There's an alpha, beta, and a gamma. And I get down there and I'm like, huh. I'm not an alpha, I'm definitely a gamma. Like, like, yeah, I'm an athlete, or well, over 10 years ago, Rich, like, come on, be real with yourself. But I started doing this workout, I'm like, okay. You know, it's just kind of simple, it's like, okay, what is, you know what? Like, am I gonna really sweat and all this? And, and then, you know, you're kinda jumping a little bit, and you're kinda going the side, and, and then finally after five minutes, I'm just like, oh my, <sighs> oh God. Jesus, I promise if you make me an alpha, I'll never do this again. Oh, God. And so I went and hit pause, and I went back to being an alpha. And I'm still currently in that stage. I'm not going to lie. I'm still there. Uh, I want to be a gamma, but maybe, you know, I'm just not there physically. But I got frustrated, though, with it. It's like, man, what happened to myself? And, and most of us, too, we, we get often frustrated, right? We often ask questions, and, and especially wondering, why aren't we here? Why aren't we there? Like, it doesn't make any sense. 
And, and, and really, quite frankly, it's, we've got to remember that we were once lost. We were once broken. Our hearts were once so hardened that God is now trying to refine us. He's trying to change you. He's trying to transform who you used to be and who you are today. And so with that, there's some impurities that have to be you know, pushed, you know, pressed out. But really, it, it doesn't make sense, right? It's, it's difficult. And, and I get it. I do. Some of us are even the victims of it. Some of us are even victims of the frustration of that process of, hey, I was just here. I was just the spouse. I was just the friend that knew that he was going through something, but, you know, I was just kind of being here to be for him. But now you've got him jacked up because you didn't trust yourself. You didn't trust the Lord completely. You didn't go to him when you needed to go to him. So now all of that built up frustration that you have is now leaked into other people. And I know for me, it happened. Unfortunately, and the person that it was for me that I took everything out on was my wife. I didn't, I didn't trust myself. I didn't understand what God was doing. I didn't understand how the things that were here, it's, it's like, how, how did we get to this place? I wanted to be a state trooper. I got to the academy. Loved every minute of it. Knew I wasn't going to go anywhere because this is what I wanted to do. But I was quickly reminded before I even stepped foot in, that, in, the, in, in the Lester Training Center. He said, hey, you're called to be in the ministry. What are you doing? And I pushed it out of sight, out of mind, right? Locked it up, put it in a box, and, and slammed it out of there. But as I got into the academy, loving every minute of it, I knew I wasn't supposed to be here. And so I did the hardest thing I've ever done is walk away from it. But then I didn't come home, and, and I want to say I just glorified God, and he opened up all these doors. No, he needed to refine me a little bit. But the thing of it was is I wasn't trusting him completely. He was, a, he was a please God to me. He wasn't a God, I love you. I want to be here for you. Uh, God, you know, you love me. I know you do. No, it was more like, God, please, please let me get a job. God, please, we're on food stamps right now. God, I don't have it. Like, I need something. We've got to get provide. I, and... And I've sold my truck off. I traded in the, her vehicle, my Harley, like everything we've owned. We had nothing, literally nothing. Well, college debt, you know. Hello, Sally Mae, right? So, you know, as I'm pulling out of savings and we're pulling all of this and we're, and we're, and we're making, you know, we're tithing and, and, and doing what we're supposed to do, I do finally get that job. But I'm still frustrated because, like, God, I thought when I went home, you said you got me. You said go home and I got this for you. Why am I working where I'm at? Why am I doing construction? And there's nothing wrong with that, but... I thought I was called to the ministry, like, like it didn't make sense. And so all of that anger that I took out, I took it out on her. I yelled at her, screamed at her, tried to make her leave. I don't know why she didn't leave, honestly. Um, but I was just mean. As God's trying to change and revolutionize my life, I noticed that I finally got to the other side. And as I got to the other side, you know, breakthrough happened, freedom happened, God, you healed me. Dad, I've been healed of my bitterness. You know, Pastor Jerry and I have been healed of my bitterness. But I look back and my wife is just laying there, helpless. I crushed her down so bad. I took all of her confidence. I made her feel worthless. And the power of your tongue, I never knew how much impact you have of that. Until when I looked at her and I saw it empty. I saw how empty and broken she was. Here I am on top of the world. I see God moving in my life, but yet, there she is. 
And so now I've got to help her. She was just the victim of it. And so now I'm having to pull her out. And now I'm having to take some of the lickings that I gave to her that now she's going to give back to me. And it was so rough. And it was, it was awful. But the thing about it was is I didn't trust God. I didn't trust the process of what he was trying to do for my life. And so we cherish. But for me, though, the power of your tongue, they are sharp and they are deadly. And it even says here in Proverbs 18 that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Amen. And it is true. It is true. It, I can't tell that most. And when I meet with couples and, and, and they're having some issues, it's like, hey, you've got to watch that. I live through that, and it is not fun. It is not fun going to the other side of that and trying to draw them out. So you better watch and you better stop. And if that's you today, then stop. There's nothing more that needs to be said than just stop and allow God to work in your life today. Because it, it, it can be hard, and I understand. I, I understand the process is difficult. I understand this is that, and marriage is hard, and life is hard, and, and friendships are even difficult. But really, where are you guys at today with all this? Is, is comparing yourself to others limiting your ability to grow? Is it how you're living today what you want to see in the future? Is what you're putting in your shoes today life-giving? Or is it tearing people down? It, you know, what needs, what changes, what, something, what needs to happen in your life to say, you know what, God, I'm going to step it up today. I'm not going to be that same person I was. I'm already a good man or a good woman, but... I know I can do better. I know I've been playing petty games. I know I've been doing this and that, but, but as, as we not trust the process or as we don't trust the process, we've got to make sure that we are there. And a game changer for my life, when it was at this point, I was finally at this part where I'm like, God, I need to either trust you or I just need to get off the wagon. And it was the day that my father got his leg amputated. It was a day that I, I would never forget. I remember the doctor saying, hey, he set us all down. He's like, hey, he's going to be in the most extreme pain that he's ever felt in his entire life. We're going to make him as comfortable as we can, but I can't put him too much in a coma, and I need him coherent because we need to make sure he's watching of his heart. And the, what it was is it was the, the dialysis that he was on, the, 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 the calcium that was inside of it was pretty much eating his body from the inside out. It was clogging all of his arteries. And so basically, he literally was withering away in front of us. And so at this time, they had to go take his leg out. And I remember we got done, and when I'm sitting there, and, and I'm not ready to go in the room yet. I can hear him, you know, aching and hee-hawing, just, oh, oh, God. Oh, he's hurting so bad. And I'm like, I'm not ready to face that. I'm not ready to go in and see what my dad looks like. And so all of a sudden, he's like, my son, my son, Casey, where are you at? Casey, my son, where are you? And so I knew at that time, it's like, okay, it's make it or break it, right? So I walk in, I'm at the foot of the bed, and I see one leg, and here's this stump on the other, and, and I'm looking at him, and I'm just like, what? how did this happen? I don't understand, God. God, I love you. But what, what's, what's going on? And he looked at me, he said, son, don't let them hurt me no more. Don't let them hurt me no more. Don't let them, I don't want them to touch me anymore. This hurts so bad, I don't even know what it feels like. But that's not what changed my life. What changed my life was in the next couple of moments after that, as he's aching in pain, he's got his pillow, and he's just, oh my God, 
Oh, I'm hurting so bad. God, help me. He starts crying out to God. Jesus, be with me. You're my comforter. Be my shield, God. God, be in my life. And I knew at that moment that if a man like that can go through the lowest of his days and still cry out to God and trust him and believe that by God, I can do the same. I want to be the same. I don't want to be silent anymore, but I want to be open. I want other people to know that God is in my life. God loves me and he's here for me. And I know that it's so true. I know that it's so true. And, and I get it because you know, some, some of you guys believe that maybe it's worthless or maybe I, I would rather not trust God, not understand who he really is because yeah, it's, it's difficult. In those moments, it is difficult. But I know today, and I, just like it says in Ezekiel 37, it says the Lord led Ezekiel back and forth in the valley of dry bones. And the Lord said to him, do you, son of man, do you think these bones can live? And he said, Lord, only you know. And the Lord told him to prophesy, speak life into him. He said, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. I will put breath, fresh breath into you. I will, put, I will attach the tendons back to your life. You will have more flesh back onto you. He said, prophesy and speak to them. And did you understand that? He said, hey, can you hear it? Church, I can hear it. I can hear it in this place today. Them old dry bones rattling back together. Them hearts that are open enough, they're not soft anymore. But God's ready to do something for you. God's ready to open up the grave into your life and say, hey, come with me. I love you. I want, I'm here for you. I want to be for you always, not just a little bit. I'm not just a little bit of a God, but God, I'm here for you every day. I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. That's the kind of God that I want, and that's the kind of God of who he is. He is here for you. He is, right? God is wonderful. It may be tough. It may be hard, but God's going to build you up as long as you trust in him and do what you're supposed to do in your part. And guys, can we stand today? We're about to sing a song. And as I mentioned, there's some things that people maybe need to be refined about. You're going through that pressing or that crushing. Or maybe it's some of the stuff that you've got hidden away. But as we sing this song today, allow God to move inside you. Allow those changes to be taking place. If you need to cry out and get on your knees, cry out. I'm not, I'm not worried about it. In fact, I'd rather see God do a miracle than you. Because, you know, it, it was 15 and a half years of bitterness. But that bitterness, it was sitting right there at that chair. I wasn't at some conference. I wasn't at some Hillsong, you know, live and, and God's moving. No, no, no. It was a typical Sunday. I came in here. I said, God, I'm tired of dealing with this. I've said it many times, but today is a new day. God, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm not going to fight with this anymore. God, you heal me and you take this from me now. Now, God. And even for the same thing about prayer. My wife suffered with pain for the last seven years. Four different doctors said, yes, surgery is, only, is the only thing that's ever going to fix it. The only thing. And she came down here for prayer just like we did a few, months, a few moments ago. And, he, she, and she came to me and she said, hey, I'm getting healed today. And by God, she was healed right here, right at this very place. It doesn't have to be anything extravagant. It doesn't have to be anything crazy or you got to be at this someplace. God can move today and he is here. So let's sing this next song and allow our hearts to be opened up and allow us to be healed. Allow those breakthroughs to take place. Go ahead, Ruben. You have been listening to a YPC podcast. Visit our website at ypcprior.com to hear more.